Welcome or welcome back to Solidarity on the Bench, a podcast for 20-somethings by a 20-something. I'm your host, Katie Yu, and on this podcast, we talk about everything and anything with a focus on mental health and personal well-being. New episodes every Tuesday at 11 a.m. PST. I am joined today with Andrew. He is a very recent kind of content creator in the mental health space, 16 years old, high school student, and creating the most incredible content surrounding like men's mental health and teenage mental health. So I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and to kind of get to talk with you today. Hi, I can't wait. I'm so excited. So for the people who don't know you, could you just give me a brief overview of who you are and what you do in the online space? Uh, Yeah, you gave a pretty great synopsis. I'm 16. uh, I'm a junior in high school. um, And I guess what I do in the online space is I talk about healing because I'm healing with Andrew. And so I guess it's kind of this idea of healing is feeling the deep, dark, beautiful parts of healing, because it's oftentimes reflected as, oh, healing is this beautiful concept, and it's really not. We both know that it's a very dark and dirty place, and so it's kind of highlighting that while also being able to um, showcase the beautiful parts of it simultaneously. So that's kind of what I talk about in the sphere, um, as well as targeting more of a youth audience, because not a lot of uh, creators talk about it specifically. Yeah, and I have to say something that was extremely impressive to me right off the bat was when I found your account, I don't think I realized how young you were. We don't have voices like yours in the online space in mental health. Like it is very rare that we do have quote unquote authentic people in the mental health who like share their experience with healing, but very, very, very rarely I can maybe name one other person, not even off the top of my head, that is your age and shares what you do. And so I think that is incredible to highlight. Like, not only are you advocating for teen mental health, but like you are a teen as well, and you're able to do it so eloquently. Coming from you is like the biggest compliment. I just, I I have to say this now, you're one of my favorite creators. I've followed you for months. And so being able to like see this and being able to talk to you is like the coolest thing ever because I just I truly appreciate you and your content and for you to say that I have great content and this amazing space means the world to me oh my god well the feeling is so totally mutual in the name of solidarity on the bench in 2024 I'm asking all of my guests to answer this one question and I'm doing it because I think that there's so much shame um, and stigma in the mental health space around asking for help and To normalize that, I want to ask everyone who comes on the podcast, you know, when is the last time you asked for help just to show that it is a lot more common than we think. So when is the last time you've asked for help? That is a hard one. Holy crap. You're hitting deep. Sorry. Sorry. Oh my God. Don't do not apologize. That is an amazing question. I think recently, I, I guess the last time that I asked for help was like, only a month, month and a half ago. And that was with, and that was with my parents. And I had a huge, like I had a huge mental breakdown in front of my parents and that was rough. And I was like, I need help. It isn't working. Um, And I communicated some things that were just kind of happening in therapy that just weren't really supporting me. Um, And it's kind of just an emotional intelligence barrier. Um, And so I asked for help recently and I went to a psychiatrist. I had a meet and greet on Friday. And so my parents helped me with that. And I'm doing neuromodulation and map map 
and mind mapping. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was the most recent time that I've asked for help. And which is crazy to think about that. That was like a month, month and a half ago. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for your vulnerability with that story as well. So I want to talk a little bit more about your content, um, especially like the men's mental health and also teen mental health. So you post a lot about your own healing journey. I was just kind of typing just now because I was like, I actually want to know what does healing mean to you? Um, Healing means, I mean, I guess it's kind of a trademark now. Healing is feeling like that's literally what it is. And that's the advice that I give everyone. And oftentimes um, I get so many questions like, how can I heal? How can I work on healing? And the answer that I always say is let yourself feel it all. I think that oftentimes like we have this notion that healing is, oh, like we need to make everything look aesthetic and I need to like make my space look like the most beautiful thing. And I have to make my life look healthy because oftentimes when we see healing with these people, it's oftentimes being like healed and healing is a process, not an end destination. I think that healing is consistent. Like you never, like, I don't think that I've ever been able to say, and I don't think that I will ever be able to say that I'm completely healed. And I think that that's because healing is always a process. There are always going to be um, detrimental, I guess, milestones in a way, which I wouldn't consider them positive milestones, but there are sometimes blocks in the road. And that's always inevitably going to happen. And so healing is feeling and healing is a process and not a final destination. And so healing does not equal healed. And I think that that's kind of my definition of healing. I love what you kind of said about like healing is a destination. uh, Healing is a process, not a destination. Because um, when I was in college, like the end of my college years, I got so frustrated when I was like, oh my God, there's so many things that I kind of need to work on and like these narratives that are still living within me that like I thought I had gotten over something has come up and like they're coming back now like I thought we were done with this and I had like this big frustrated like mental breakdown and one of my friends said you know you do the work to be able to live a life so let yourself live let yourself feel it all but also like don't put yourself like don't put pressure on yourself to be at a certain place at a certain time and to have it all figured out because the process of healing is is just that it's a process and it's going to take some time and i take that with me and i think about it a lot in the sense that like there are always going to be things that i'm that i'm going to need to work on and to heal from but that doesn't like being in the healing stage of recovery doesn't make like mean that I can't live my life and enjoy where I'm at right now. And I think that that's also a common misconception with healing is like when you're healing, it's going to be like awful forever. And if it's awful forever, that's your whole life. You don't want it to be awful forever. So just also allowing yourself, I think, to, as you said, like feeling all of the feelings, both the good and the bad and I think that we need to emphasize that you are like, you can feel the good as well in this process. And I don't think I realized that, you know, even two years ago. So it's really incredible to to hear you be able to articulate that. And then also, you know, articulate that verbally right now and also through your content. The way you speak is actually so enthralling. I hope you know that. Like, oh my God, thank you. Speak, like, I have to take a step back and I'm like, holy crap, like this person is real. Like you are actually real. And the way that you're just like, you're physically tangible and you're able to like vocalize these things is just, oh my gosh, your intelligence. And I know that I've told you that and I wish that I told you more, but your intelligence is just, oh my God, it is so captivating. And so I just, thank I have you. to tell you this now. 
I have to say um, a little bit of Katie lore is that I actually don't have a voice in my head. So every time I speak, I have no idea what's going to come out. It just kind of comes out, which is why podcasting works so well for me, because I'm able to record every time I have a thought, um, because if I didn't speak it out loud or write it down, it would it would leave me. I don't know what I'm going to say half the time. It is a little scary to podcast. So I really, really, really appreciate that. Absolutely. We both love our voice messages and podcasts. So yeah, we do. I know that healing with Andrew is kind of, I would assume, actually, I don't know this, but I would assume that it's a space that you need or you needed when you were younger, you still need now. And it's like this community on the internet that like is safe specifically for men as well. And so I want to ask who or what inspired you to post the content that you do? I don't know who but I think that I know what my what and I know what my why is. Mm. And I think some of the most notable experiences is I always have to go back to my why. And something that truly inspired me to share my experience was actually, I was at my county student government. So I'm the county vice president for my student government. And I was facilitating a round table, but instead of like me asking them questions, they asked me questions. And I did a mental health round table. And it was the first time that I had like, genuinely opened up about my experience and that night I wrote like a three-page essay and it's called my why essay and on December 16th of 2022 I posted that on my Instagram and on my personal Instagram and the amount of comments and the amount of people and the amount of messages that I received was absolutely insane to be able to be like holy crap there are so many people that are facing this and a huge like experience that I talk about was lacking a sense of brotherhood when I was young Mm -hmm. and that is kind of showcased within my content trying to generate like a more like male audience and obviously my content's very versatile so it's meant for all people and all teens and adults and everyone but when it's specific to men I think that a lot of us lack that sense of brotherhood without even like vocalizing it and I think that's something that even with your content when you posted that video that went like crazy the other day like when you said to those that don't have their girls get and that that really resonated with me but more in like a male context and when I was growing up I did so I did theater for 11 years I did theater from the age of four to the age of 15 I was singing dancing before I could even walk and so um When I did that, there was obviously this preconceived notion that I was gay. And do I blame people for thinking that? Not necessarily. And it generated a more feminine conduct. And essentially what ended up happening is through my middle school years, I was avoided like the plague. Like that's Mm -hmm. what it ended up being. And all these guys, they either used me for homework answers or they wanted to be friends with me behind closed doors, but they never wanted to be like, oh yeah, he's my friend. Or like, oh yeah, he's super weird. Like he's definitely gay. And obviously I don't have the most masculine deep voice. And yet I'm kind of annoyed by this perpetuated idea that like, this is what defines a man. This is like, I think it's just kind of crazy. And we see that societally even now. And so that was kind of a big notable experience where I was just like, I need I lacked this sense of brotherhood. And so I want to create this sense of brotherhood that I never got. And I mean, even to this day, I'm almost 17 and I still don't feel like I have like a group of guys. Like I don't have that group of guys to go hang out with on the weekends. And so creating this online space where it feels like family and it feels like brotherhood and it feels safe 
for guys because a lot of times we're con we confine our thoughts because we feel small when we talk about them and we don't like being vulnerable but i think that when we are open with being vulnerable and okay with the idea of being vulnerable we open up the space for other people to do so it creates a ripple effect and i'm sure as a content creator as well in the mental health sphere you've noticed that as well like when you're vulnerable more people are more likely to be vulnerable and oftentimes and not oftentimes but sometimes that can go a little bit overboard but I think that when we open up that space to be vulnerable, it's amazing. And so creating that sense of brotherhood was something that I had in mind the entire time. And I'm so glad that that is coming through in my content. So yeah, I'm sorry. That was a really, really long answer. No, never apologize for rambling. This is a podcast for a reason. Everyone wants to hear your stories and hear your voice. So don't shut yourself down because you're like, you're worried about taking up too much space. Like this like is a place where you're allowed to take up that space. I love what you said specifically about masculinity when it comes to mental health, because I think the the one reel that you posted that blew up was one of you crying. And I was reading a lot of the comments and everyone says like, you know, let's normalize this, like men cry too, all of these things. But there was, they were all comments from women. Um, and it's so like outwards society wise women are like yes it's normal let's let men cry but then there is this internalized masculinity and like this toxic masculinity like if you cry if you show feelings you are less of a man and what i love is that you are kind of breaking down down that barrier and meshing like what would be normally very masculine traits like working out and you know bettering yourself in 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 those ways and being strong and powerful with the soft and vulnerable side of emotions and of mental health. And so, again, I'm just so impressed that like you're able to do this and then also know that you're doing this. You know what I mean? Um, like at such a young age, I think when I was younger, I was always fascinated by the the thought of toxic masculinity. But as a woman was never able to really truly understand what it meant. And I know that I never will because I never grew up as a guy. Um, but especially in high school and college, like the sphere socially of men who belittle other men for having feelings, like we don't talk about that enough, or maybe we do talk about it, but we talk about it in the wrong ways in which we still don't let men cry and let men have feelings. And so I know you don't have the answers, but I would love to hear your perspective on how we can kind of start to destigmatize that as a generation or as a society like what are ways that we could help our youth and the guys um, in our lives express emotion as either women or just outsiders bystanders in this phenomenon I love that you say I know that you don't have the answers because there's not one objective answer we don't talk about enough in the mental health sphere that like it is not one size fits all directives that support people and I think that that's kind of like a um goodness gracious I couldn't think of the word disparity I think that's a disparity in the sense of like we oftentimes are like oh well this one thing is going to solve this issue this issue this issue and this issue and it's like no it's not it's such a vast spectrum and so I think that's something that has helped me and and again I do I am more open to being sensitive so this is coming from a lens in which I am open and I am vulnerable but simple things like I'm thinking of you or, hey, I am 
like I I'm opening up this space for you to share if you're comfortable or uncomfortable or not. I'm always here for you and I want to acknowledge that. But I think that's something that has supported me a lot. And I kind of send this out to my guys first. Give your love to your brothers. Like I, it mm -hmm. is the most, it means so much. And I don't, and I don't know if this is also like in the female experience, but I've talked to a couple of my girlfriends that are like, oh yeah, compliments from girls actually mean more. So it's kind of like, oh, well, the girl's like, oh, well, a guy says you're pretty, but then it's like the pretty girl walking across the street said that you're pretty. And so you're like, oh my goodness, like that means so much. And so I guess in a male context, like it means a lot when I get a compliment from another guy being like, oh, hey, you look good. Or like, hey, I'm always here for you if you need it. Like, love you, brother. Like these little sentimental things mean a lot. Even it doesn't have to be something extreme like, hey, can like do you need to cry? Do you need to feel this emotion? It's literally just being like, I'm opening up the space for you to do so um, in whatever way that you would like to. And I think that, again, just sending off that message, whether you're a girl or a guy, just sending it off to guys, because we oftentimes don't get them a lot being like, hey, I really care about you. I really appreciate you. Hey, I've had you on my mind. Like, it doesn't have to be, hey, do you need to talk? It's just being like, hey, I'm thinking of you. Hey, I appreciate you. Hey, I love you. And those things mean so much more than people will ever know. And I hope that my other guys agree with that. Um, so I think that, again, it's just opening up that space in whatever way makes another guy comfortable. And I think that every guy is different, just like every girl is different. So, yeah. I think what I was thinking is the things that you're saying is so common in girlhood. Um, you know, like just just the having your girls and being able to text and be like, I'm thinking about you or all of these things. It's so common. And I think that in that sense, when we reinforce these gender roles, we forget that like men have feelings too. Like men want flowers too. Men want hugs too. Um, funny story. I was going on a date with this guy and this was maybe like our third date. And I felt like I, I was in the doghouse a little bit for some unrelated reason. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to make it up to him, not only by being like extra nice and like you know interested in all that, those things and even in the dating space I'm trying to like uh knock down these gender roles of like the the guy doesn't always have to plan the first date like all of these things but I bought him flowers and they weren't you know the the best looking flowers they were like three pounds and on sale and I gave them to him and he looked at me straight in the eye and goes I have never in my life received flowers and I was like you're joking and he was like I send them to everyone in my life I send them to my mom to my sister to my co-workers to my friends but I have never received flowers and then later that evening um we were over at his place it was not even raunchy like that but like we were over at his place and I taught him how to take care of the flowers and he was like I don't even like I don't even know what to say like this is going to stick with me for a very long time because I, I like and it was such a simple gesture for me too to be like I'm just gonna pop to the shop and get flowers and I don't think we realize that like everything that we like as women men like too and not because you know they're men or because anything else but because that's like a basic human gesture of like interest and of support and so really you know by knocking down these gender roles and these barriers and these toxic masculinity it really is just like okay let's realize that like masculinity affects 
you know, guys as much as it does girls. And a great podcast that I always listen to is called Man Enough by Justin Baldoni. Um, and I think there's Jamie and Liz. Oh my God, that was like really bad. I I only know it because Justin Baldoni is literally my idol, but um, they always talk about kind of like destigmatizing, you know, men's mental health and toxic masculinity. And that's something that I've gotten from them is like, you know, toxic masculinity affects everyone and we don't ever really kind of talk about that too. And like men are people too. And so giving them spaces to be men and to be people and not really to to see them as one thing or another, but just to be a human being is so, so important. I love the idea of just being a human being. That actually means a lot. And I think that's such a cool concept. And by the way, sorry for just having to like ramble with my hair. I was like, you know what, I'm going to make things I'm going to do like a hair flip and it's going to look good. And then it was like, that was not working. So I had to fix it for a hot second. But no, it's okay. Anyway. You know, people won't know that unless they listen to the video podcast on Spotify. So don't worry. It's normally just audio. So I have a couple of questions from like the community box on Instagram. And I wanted to ask you less direct questions and kind of open up the the conversation more into men's mental health and like what other people are interested in and so a lot of the questions is again recognizing that this is not a one-size-fits-all band-aid but from your perspective as a man and as like a young a young person how can we help our guy friends if they feel cagey about their mental health and they're not you know necessarily open to talking about it I think it's just showing up again in this, the like, it doesn't have to be big, but I know that something that has helped a lot is like following through. I noticed that a lot of people don't follow through um, with guys. And I, th I mean, I think that it's a general experience that a lot of people have, like people will be like, oh yeah, I'll do this and do this and things like that. But I've noticed, especially in like the male sphere that it's kind of like, oh, he'll understand like. And it doesn't need to be big, but I think that some of the best moments of my entire life have been the small moments of people genuinely just showing up, being like, oh, you have a performance? I'm going to go. Oh, you have a game? I'm going to show up. Or my favorite experience ever was one of my best friends. She's in college. She's a freshman in college. And she drove an hour and a half without telling me, drove an hour and a half because she had my location. She drove an hour and a half on a Sunday evening to give me a hug and drive home. That is like, so sweet. And the fact that like, and I was having the worst day and she had no clue, no clue. And she showed up and it was the best experience of my entire life. And she is the kindest, most beautiful human being. And she called me the other night in her dorm. And then like two days before she called me, she texted me and said, I need a 50 mile away Andrew hug. And I just like, and it, and it doesn't even have to be from a girl. It doesn't have to be like a specific person but those moments of showing up in those small ways make such a huge difference or even just like coming over and giving him a hug like that's been huge just like someone will see something and instead of asking me or saying something they just come over and they say hey come here and they give me a hug and just like the fact that showing up at the door showing up to the game or showing up to something that they're passionate about I think means so much and holding on to little details also supports so it's like you notice a little thing that they enjoy or they like and you show up with that. And I think that that is the coolest thing ever. And so, I yeah, I would say that. I think that just showing up and it doesn't have to be asking, are you okay? I think going off of that, what I was thinking is this idea of building trust. And with vulnerability, especially with mental health, what you really need is a space of 
trust. And if you don't do all of these small things that Andrew was just talking about, you know, showing up physically at someone's game or giving them a hug or checking in, how do you expect someone to want to open up to you emotionally? Like asking, are you okay? Like this is a space where you can talk. Sometimes there's this mental barrier of being like, but if I, you know, really tell them what's going on, if I show that I'm a human being, maybe they're not going to like me, you know, maybe they're going to think I'm too much. But by continually showing up in the small ways before you even like seek to extend that hand, that is a way where you can make kind of asking for help and talking about mental health a lot easier for anyone, not just not just guys, but like any any human person. I agree. That's amazing. So I I have a lot of questions from the community box that was kind of more along the lines of, you know, how do I reach out without my friend getting mad or freaking out? And I know we just kind of talked about showing up, but is there anything else, maybe like big or small, that you think would really benefit like being added to this conversation? Is this in the context of like, so asking, like, are you okay without someone getting mad? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I think that I, I put this on my story and I think that it's applicable to so many things. And it was like, what is the best advice you've ever gotten? And it was like, perception becomes reality despite how falsified it may be. But I guess in this context, it might be like, um, perception becomes reality no matter the intention. And so I think that no matter your intention of what you're doing, it can go either way. And that's where it gets difficult. I think it's not necessarily like asking if you're okay. Like, I don't think that that's hard for people. I think it's trying, it's questioning the reactions. And so I think that it's, like I said, I guess this is where the like noticing small things becomes applicable as well, being like, how do they react to these things? And how could this translate to something else? And I think that if you're able to couple ever like if you're able to couple the happy moments or like just showing up at like those big and small things and bring them together again it's building a foundation of trust and i promise like specific to guys if you're able to create a foundation of trust you will know i think mm -hmm. that that's like that like you will know with guys because as like we're pretty straightforward. I'll say that. Like, as much as we hide things, once you create trust, it's like you're solid. Like, you're literally solid. So I think that you will know when you are at a level to have the capacity to ask them and if they will have the capacity to answer because they will let you know in one way or another. And so I think that that's where it's like more of monitoring behavior, seeing small things within people, their reactions. Um, and I think that's, again, I keep using the word applicable, but I think that's applicable to so many areas of life, not just men. And so you will know, and it will be okay to ask, and you will know when that moment is. I love that. And again, I think that I sit here and it blows my mind that like you're here and we're having this conversation and we're kind of pushing the needle forward in talking about, you know, toxic masculinity, men's mental health, teenage mental health, because one of the reels you posted was like, you know, you're too young to be going through all of this. You're too young to be feeling all of this. And I know that for me, when I was in the depths and the trenches of high school, like I was too young to be going through a lot of what I was going through, but yet I was still going through it. And, um, knowing that I'm not alone in that experience is really, really helpful. And just so impressed with your 
ability not only to articulate kind of like what you're going through, but also all the steps in which not only with your healing page, but like with um, working with like the government and all of those groups that you're doing and the roundtables and and everything that you're doing, like you're pushing the needle forward. And I think that like it's really cool. And I just want to stop and be like, wow, like this is cool. Like it is cool. <laughs> that means the world to me. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I want to go back to talking about kind of like mental health and social media. This is something that I was personally and like academically interested in was earlier this year, I kind of talked about that on my podcast, but I was like, oh my God, I'm a mental health influencer, but there's this kind of niche in mental health influencing where like everyone loves when you're not doing okay, because it is this like aspect of being relatable and you know, you're being authentic on the internet, but at what point are you just kind of parading that you're not doing okay? And then also knowing that that type of content does well, I kind of found myself forcing myself into this depressive episode, this depressive headspace being like, but this content does the best and like no one wants to see me thrive. And I want to talk a little bit more on that and and your thoughts on that, especially as kind of like a newer mental health creator. Okay, it is so funny you say this because I was little like I I have my notes app and that app has seen the trenches. But anyways, um I have a note in there of like all the different content ideas and one of them was like and I don't know how I'm going to present it, but it was like why do we have to be sad to go viral? Like and I think it's such a specific thing, but like I said like the video that went viral was a 15 second clip of me absolutely sobbing my eyes out at 10 p.m. in my bed. And I mean, I guess, and I'm willing to, and not to like go into that deep place, but like literally I just, I lost it in the past two weeks of that. I lost a friend, she passed away and I was supposed to see her the next day. And she said that she was inspired by me to create a mental health club at my school. And I was wow. supposed to see her the next day for a mental health meeting. Like she got, wow. like, she was like, I can't wait. And she was like, I can't wait to apply to your mental health committee. And she got on and I selected her and then I didn't get to see her and I lost her. And, and then I was put in the hospital for my breathing incident. Then my mom was put into the hospital um, because she just woke up with like the worst kind of pain and I can't even explain. And so it was like, I just lost my mind and it was just like, that went viral. Like out of every video that I have made after like, and it's like, it's always the videos that like, and this might be the same with you. Like the Instagram algorithm is so weird. It's so funky, but it's like the ones that are, that take hours to make, that take hours to edit, mm -hmm. that took hours upon hours to film that get barely reached a thousand views on it. And then it's like the second that I'm losing my mind, the second that I'm not doing well, it's like, that's what does well. And it's like, you can see on, it was the, there was only one video that, that, there was one video that did super duper well, that was like positive, but the two videos that are pinned that have done like insanely well are both like really kind of like depressing videos. And it's just kind of like, wow, like we're in a generation of people that are just really in the trenches and it's sad to see, but I think that there's this underlying sense of like, I'm not ready to get better. And mm -hmm. I think that's such a specific feeling, but like we see healing 
healing but then it's like the sad content that gets put out and that's what get gets put into the algorithm and it's like yeah there's this part of me that is like i want to post this and to what degree is it authentic because there are moments that i'm doing super well and there are moments that i'm not and it's okay to reflect both of them but i can't just solely post those depressive moments and those moments where I'm feeling these deep feelings. And so I think that it gets really difficult trying to decipher what content should I put out there? Is this authentic to me right now? And when I post those like sad videos, I have to be in a, and this sounds horrible. Like I feel like I have to be in a sad mindset to post it. So it like lays in my drafts. And then the second that I'm sad, I'm like, okay, this is authentic to me right now. Mm. And so I'm going to post this now. And it's like almost like gaslighting myself into being like, okay, this is authentic now. So I have to post this now or else it's fake if I'm super happy and then posting this sad video. And it's such a weird cycle to be stuck in. And I'm sorry if that like didn't answer the question, but I guess that that just kind of like puts into perspective. Like I didn't even realize that was an issue. Like I did not realize again, I literally had 470 followers and then that video blew up with me crying. And I was like, okay, so then what do I need to do to go viral again and again and again and again and again? And then I'm like, holy crap, like maybe I actually kind of wish that I had a slower growth. Um, and so, yeah, sorry, that was, a, again, a really long answer, but. I mean, it's something that I feel like no one wants to talk about, especially in the mental health space, because having a platform is seen to be such a positive thing. And not that it's not a positive thing, but to gain so many followers at one time for one specific view of who you are people are following you because they want more of that video. And if the videos that are going viral are of you being sad, then people are going to want to see you sad. And I think it it took me a while to recognize that like, the you know, I used to get a, I, I still have a lot of unfollowers. Like even if I'm net gaining followers, I have a lot of people unfollowing me. And I'm realizing that that's not necessarily a negative thing is because sometimes they're following me because they want, to see me post more of content that makes them feel comfortable, which is me not being okay. And so me posting things that are on the complete spectrum of emotions, both happy and sad, um, in what you're saying is like, what is authentic to me at the moment? People don't want to see that because they kind of want other people to validate that you don't have to be okay. And that like, you can be sad all the time. And, and that is sure, if you're not ready to step into like, healing and and you don't want to think about your mental health yet that is okay I will gently nudge but I can't force but I'm realizing that like my brain was telling me okay you're seeing all these unfollowers the videos that are going viral are the ones of you sad therefore you must be sad all the time to go viral and it was so damaging on my mental health and I was like when I was happy or theoretically pretending to be happy on the internet wasn't doing well like wasn't doing well for months and months and months and the minute I was like guys I'm struggling I'm depressed I can't get out of my bed and that was what was authentic to me in the moment and like actually authentic and not me plastering on a happy face did numbers did numbers like my account hadn't done in in months and it's like okay I understand you know social media theory like the dopamine hit of the algorithm favoring you it's gonna like make you feel some sort of way but like there is so much pressure on content creators especially ones that talk about their mental health to kind of not only parade their mental health but also feel like they need to 
always talk about when they're sad because it's the most relatable and it always does the best. Exactly. No, I 100% agree. And I think that that's where there are just times that it's like there are moments where those deep, dark moments are not meant for the internet. And it's just kind of, and it's, I think that a line that also isn't talked about is there's like, I've seen a difference between different kinds of followers. Like I've seen the ones that are like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Like, I'm here to talk whenever. And I'm like, yes, I very much like, I truly appreciate that. But like, this space is to resonate with people, not for other people that attempt being my therapist. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, the ones that, and we've talked about this before, the ones that kind of do like a lot of trauma dumping because they don't have the space to do so. But mm-hmm. then it's also kind of like, we're not, we're not robots. Like we are actual people. And it is damaging. And so we've talked about having to be in the space of like, I have to be in a good mental state to be able to like talk. I mean, like see these messages and read these messages because there are people that talk about it. And it's like being an empath, I so badly want to help all of these people. But realistically, like I can't support 35,000 people individually. And that's, I think that what my content tries, tries to serve, like that is meant to be there for people. But I think that I've just noticed a huge difference between the kind of people that are following. And that kind of is a hard, it's hard deciphering what kind of content to make when everyone is so different um, while simultaneously trying to unify them. So that's a very specific element of that. But It is a very specific niche problem that I think is only applicable to people who post about their mental health. You know, our mental health is so volatile. I don't know about you, but I go through good mental health and bad mental health in the same day. And so when you're talking about things being authentic to you, it could be authentic to you an hour before, but not in this hour. And so recognizing and and showing up and, and showing people that like you are a human being as well has been really helpful. And I also think that when I posted and was like so authentic about being like, guys, I don't know how to show up in this space as a happy version of myself because the algorithm kind of dings that. People are like, but we care about you. And I was like, that is powerful too, is like putting you and your unique spin and your unique voice. And I think you do a really good job about that as well of like the stuff that you're posting, I keep saying is like, it's so unique to you because you are the forefront of of people who are going to be posting about men's mental health and teenage mental health. But also like, we care about you, you know, you can post however many mindset reels you want, but at the end of the day, I'm not following you for that, I'm also following you because I care about you as a human being and I wanna see you do well. And I hope that you know that. And I think that decentering mental health from your life, uh, from your content as well, is helpful in the sense that you you not you don't put that much mental pressure on whether or not you're doing okay or not doing okay and what kind of content that's gonna create. Because I I saw in myself that when I was in the trenches, the first thing I did was like, pull out my phone and take a video of me crying. And then I was like, what in the world am I doing? Like content creation is, it shouldn't be that. It should be authentic, but it should not be this like instinct that I have to do. And so again, just like recognizing that you are a person too, and that people care about you and like healing 
is all aspects of your life. It's not just about feeling all your emotions. It's not just about you needing to be a spokesperson. I think that also I'm rec- I'm recognizing as I'm speaking that like maybe there's too much pressure on you to be this next voice that you feel like you need to step into that as well. But like people are following you because they care about you. So let's take a step back and 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 recognize that as well as like we want you to we want to see you do well. And the people who are going to be there to support you and continue following also want to see you do well. That means the world to me. You're lit. You're lit. How is this real? Holy crap. Oh my gosh. This is crazy. Dude, I don't think you understand how, like, oh my God, this is, oh, you, you're <laughs> phenomenal. Thank you so much for that. I'm, I'm glad it resonated because I, I, at the beginning, I was like, I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm just going to keep talking and hopefully something comes out. But yeah, I think ultimately like that is a reminder that I have to give myself as well as like the people who unfollow me are just looking for me to fit into a box. And just because they have that expectation of me doesn't mean that I need to also have that expectation of myself. Like their reactions are their reactions and I can't do anything about it. And at the end of the day, I'm going to post what... I want to post and I'm going to make the content that I want to make. And I think that what I was saying before, like my page and my space is kind of the, what I needed when I was younger and like the messages that I wanted to hear when I was younger and being truly authentic with that and with the content that I'm putting out and like loving everything that I'm putting out because I'm like, this is not that it's the best it can be because then there's perfection and paralysis and imposter syndrome, but like this is authentic to who I am. This is what I want to make. And whether or not this is about my mental health or not, like it could be a silly little fun reel. It could be whatever, but just whatever I want to put out is what I'm going to put out. So. I love that. I love that mindset. I guess the only other thing that I could think about is, I guess, I think I talked about a lot of negative sides of the social media side of things, but I think that I guess some of the positives have been I've gained so many amazing skills. Um, mm-hmm. I've gained a family that I never knew that I would have gotten. And I think that that came with even just you and Sophia. So here's another, here's a shout out to like Sophia Carter. Like you two have literally become the big sisters that I never knew I needed. Like the fact that you guys are both so keen on keeping me protected and keeping me safe and making sure that I'm sanctifying my peace first and foremost like I think that you guys have taken on a role that you weren't obligated to take on and yet you did and so the fact that you reached out to me and you wanted to do this podcast and you wanted to do this I hope you guys know Katie is the sweetest and most intelligent human you will ever in your life meet. I kid you not when she sends voice messages, like you can literally hear <laughs> hear my voice like shaking. That is literally my reaction to her speaking all the time. Like just her demeanor and her smile and her love is just, it comes through in her content and her speaking. Like, and this is coming from someone that has like gained more of like a personal insight. Like I'm saying this as someone that's been able to talk to Katie beyond like a professional, like we're colleagues. Like, no, like it's literally created a family. And so I want to be able to also highlight, I guess, as a final remark that the family that it has been created and the love that I have received 
is more than I could have ever imagined because this is kind of a moment where I can say, you know what, like those experiences that were so detrimental were worth it. Like so worth it. And I'm not saying like, oh, I hope that you guys want to have bad experiences so that you can come out of the other end. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that this is a reminder that even in the trenches, you're able to come out of it. And again, this is not like to be like a flexing type moment, but I mean, at 16, I can now say that like, I've been featured in the Baltimore Sun magazine. I've testified before my state legislator. I have a healing page now. Like, this is insane. Like, to put that into perspective, like, I have so much pressure on myself to be like, I need to be better. When I take a step back, it's like, holy crap, like, Andrew, you're 16. You're Mm -hmm. literally 16. And it's just one of those things that to be able to say that I get to do these things is one of the most rewarding experiences of my entire life. And I just, I want to highlight how beautiful that is and how beautiful the people that I've met along the way, including and especially Katie, like, it's just, it's one of those things that I really genuinely just need to talk about. And so you guys are all so loved. Your existence matters and healing is feeling. So feel it all, let yourself feel it all. And I'm proud of you and Katie, you inviting me onto this has been the most rewarding experience. And I just want to thank you for that. And I love and adore you. So thank you for being here. I adore you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And what you were saying is like, I feel like that's kind of the crux of why I started this podcast. Although like with the rebrand, we're pretending like the old episodes never happened. Um, But the name Solidarity on the Bench, it originally means like, okay, we can't go through the process of healing together. Like that is very individual. Recovery is individual. But we can also create a community and feel that solidarity of everyone else who is going through this at the same time and I love what you said like it is true being a mental health influencer while it does have its downsides that people don't really talk about and I kind of harp on a lot because I feel like people don't talk about it the upside is you get to meet these incredible amazing people who have gone through the trenches who are still going through the trenches and you get to learn from them and their experiences and have discussions like these and like really you know, increase your own emotional intelligence and push the needle forward on discussions like this. And there is so much good that comes out of social media. So thank you for mentioning that. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for all of the love. It means so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, the show, the pod. The show. So at the end, I want to give you 30 seconds to promote whatever you want, whether that be your Instagram or anything else cool that you're doing. The floor is yours. Um, I guess as a final remark, I am so excited to continue my healing page journey. So, so excited. And I am continuing my work on the um, youth nonfiction mental health novel with the New York Times and Washington Post journalist. And that is currently in the works, being able to share my story to a greater audience. And so those are some pretty big projects that I'm working on. And I can't wait to continue sharing my story and my vulnerability. So I love you all. Thanks for coming. And thanks for inviting me, Katie. And thanks for the 30 second spiel. <laughs> And all of Andrew's links will be down below. So if you want to check out his healing page that we have talked so extensively about, that will be in the description. And thank you again, Andrew, for coming on. I really appreciate your time and your vulnerability. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Solidarity on the Bench with KDU. If you enjoyed this podcast or want to submit a question for future guests, you can follow the podcast Instagram at SolidarityPod or follow the host at Katie.eu. See you next Tuesday.